met. Not that long ago, I was one of the first people to face a graboid and live. Broke into the wrong goddamn rec room, didn't you, you bastard? This is a graboid, a true classic, like an American-made automobile that eats you. This is a shrieker. Get some earplugs and aspirin. Trust me. Now this is the aptly named Ass Blaster. Guess what they do? Know which one is which. It might just save your life. It's days like this I miss the clicker. I never thought I'd say that. Uh, I got it. I got it in my office. I, I didn't think you guys liked the clicker. <laughs> it reminds us of, of a simpler time, Cody. Oh, clicker. The greatest tool you'll ever see. Alrighty, let's do her. The story so far. In the small, small town of Perfection, Nevada, a mysterious race of underground worm monsters has emerged, threatening to eat all of the town's citizens. Unfortunately for these graboids, they picked the wrong survivalist to mess with. Bert Gummer, with some assistance from the rest of the townsfolk, destroys all the monsters, and everyone lives happily ever after. Well, not quite. Bert, having faced and bested the ultimate doomsday scenario, has lost his drive. His wife leaves him. When things are at their darkest, though, Gummer gets a call from an old perfection buddy, offering him a chance to fight more graboids down in Mexico. Gummer jumps at the chance, only to find out that the graboids are evolving. After a few days, the giant sandworms spawn two-legged, heat-sensing shriekers that can rapidly reproduce. One giant explosion later, Bert has bested his old foes again, which leads us to Tremors 3, Back to Perfection, a tale of one man, his great white worm, a struggling convenience store, and a sweeted version of Jurassic Park, but with killer worms. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Box Office Pulp, your one-stop podcast for movies, madness, and moxie. I'm your host, Cody, and tonight, we're back with our bop miniseries, You Can't Kill the Gummer. Tonight, if you didn't get it from the intro, did you skip the intro? I worked hard on that. Don't skip the intro. Uh, we're talking Tremors 3, Back to Perfection. Uh, and tonight, I'm joined by my co-host, Jamie. Jamie, say hello. Would this be a bad time to reveal that my first Sona is an ass blaster? Yes. No, it's segues, but it's horrible. So both. It's good, bad, bad, good. I don't like it, but I'm glad you said it. I want so badly the next time you start doing that voice for your introduction to just be like, the Separatists are moving in against the Jedi <laughs> Enclave. That's, yeah, that's exactly what I was going for. So I'm glad it came through. Uh, I, I should say at the very top of my notes say... We have reached perhaps the most important stage of Tremor evolutionary process. <laughs> Ass blasters. Throw to Jamie. So yeah, you beat me to it. Uh, really? That's the uh, the evolutionary crux I hope humankind is going towards. <laughs> like, the second we can propel ourselves with flatulence, that we are officially homo superior. Jamie, I can only assume you're describing the Adam Sandler movie that will be unleashed upon us because we didn't treat Uncut Gems better. Ugh. Jamie, could you, let's let's get this train back on track here. Describe to our audience what the Ass Blaster is. Well, the Ass Blaster is the next stage in Graboid evolution. Uh, and since this is the main crux of Tremors 3 Back to Perfection, we should just go ahead and begin this episode with another installment of What's Up with the Graboid. God, I wish I knew how to play bass guitar better so I could give you like a killer riff to start this off. Like some real Seinfeld slap bassy stuff. Oh, I could just throw that in post. Oh, hell yeah. Editing. 
Now, this movie's graboid facts are two very significant wrinkles in the history of uh, the Tremors. One, relatively minor for this movie but important later, we find out that they hatch from eggs that must first lay dormant under the year. Okay, what? To interrupt, God damn it! that made me mad watching it. Like, no, <laughs> first they're worms, now they're two-legged, then they're ass blasters. Where do the eggs come in? Are they last? Are they first? What? what? They keep reproducing in different ways, and it's like, come on, guys. What are you doing? Until, until proven otherwise, Tremors takes place in the Ridley Scott sci-fi <laughs> future universe of Blade Runner, Aliens, and Predator. So uh, the, the Graboids are just Earth Cenobites that the uh, engineers placed in here. That, that's actually the begin- what the beginning of Prometheus means. That engineer is killing himself to bring the Graboids to Earth. Did you call them Earth Cenobites? I probably did, and I don't take it back. <laughs> God, now the Hellraisers are in here? That's collectively what I call the Cenobites, the Hellraisers, like they're a band. We call them the Ass Blasters. <laughs> no. So there's eggs, which, oh God. Yeah, sure, it becomes more important later. Not in this movie, but later, but still. God damn it, eggs. I just like the idea that the Graboids are tiny little worm Pennywises. <laughs> but uh, far more important, we learn that after being alive for 12 hours, the Shriekers once again shed their skin to become the final form of the Graboid, the Ass Blaster, which is a slightly larger version of the Shrieker that still uses thermals in order to sense its prey, but has two big differences. A very impressive wingspan and the ability to propel themselves upward into the air enough to get a fairly reasonable glide going through explosive stomach acids that combust whenever released out of their anus. Do you, do you think the guys who made uh, Reign of Fire watched this movie and went, no, wait, we have an idea. Spin it around, <laughs> put it on a dragon, the chemicals combine, <laughs> flame through our mouth. It's perfect. We have to do this, but slightly more serious. Right, we can't call them ass blasters. I just love how that's just such an insanely complicated backstory, just so that Chody Kang can say, They light their own farts! <laughs> Honestly, worth it. Hey, oh yeah. I like in the movie too, they're even like, Ass Blasters is a dumb name, and it becomes just the running joke of Tremors. Once something is named something stupid, it must remain. I like that this is the uh, Tremors movie where... Uh, Wilson and Maddock finally just lose their shit and say, They're called Graboids, fucking hillbillies. Get it? Tremors is the name of the movie. (laughs) Bunch of Jagoffs, come on, Tremors. Which, I don't know, I do take some umbrage with, since the Graboid name refers to both uh, the species and the worm form of that creature wouldn't it uh, be a little simpler to just call the species tremors and let graboids speak to specifically the sandworm uh, evolution I, if i were in charge jamie i would say you got it you're the boss now of tremors god if we were in charge of tremors i would sick them on the russians that's how i would fight my wars <laughs> don't interfere with my election we have ground worms I really wish we could, like, mock up propaganda posters where, like, the sandworms are taking down Russian bots. <laughs> what a weird set of mashups we've made so far. There, There's Hellraisers, uh, there, there's just uh, Russians, there's troll farms, probably graboid farms, textbooks trying to figure out what the fuck the term should be. They haven't decided if Pluto counts or not. They don't know if a graboid is graboid. It's a mess. 
This world is garbage. All right. To get away, because if I spend any more time thinking about how the eggs fall into everything, I'm going to pull my hair out. Can we can we talk about how it's kind of charming how dedicated S.S. Wilson and Maddock are to keeping the continuity of this franchise? They take it far more seriously than any other horror like slasher monster franchise it's why tremors is the one series you can watch all the way through and not really scratch your head at anything they maintain continuity better than even the like the the nightmare on elm street movies were able to i think child's play is the only other one that could really fight it and that's because you know the same driving force is behind all those uh this one i mean the, the tremor franchise loses its way a little bit after four but we'll get into that later folks we're on three now let's not skip but for this point here, even though really the only returning character is Gummer, like they, they make callbacks to the previous films, they explain where characters went, they they have like, oh hey, this is the uh the, the daughter of a former character. Melvin's back. Like you just get all sorts of wonderful little callbacks, not even Easter eggs, it just feels like this is one continuing big story. Even though they're clearly made for different budgets over a long stretch of time. Another thing that freaks me out, uh, Tremors 1, okay, it was 1990. 2 didn't hit theater, well, not theaters even, it didn't hit video until 96. And then this one hit in 2001. There's been 11 years to get three movies out, and two of them are just straight to video. Like, it's such, it must have been such a fight for these guys to get Tremors films going, and yet they soldiered on. They must really, really love the franchise, or... Somehow they're making billions of dollars on the home video market. I wasn't aware. Well, God, just think. They managed to make three and four within two years of each other after being tied to Wild Wild West. Yeah. Well, they had a huge stretch for Tremors. So 2001 was this movie, Tremors 3, Back to Perfection. Uh, Then the Tremors TV show came out, I think, 2003. And then the fourth movie was released 2004. Like, even though there's only one season, I believe, in the Tremors TV show, that was still a decent number of episodes, wasn't it? Like, it was a 13. full order. Yeah. That's that's a lot of Tremors content to get into, like, three years. Especially when you're dealing with actually making gigantic blockbusters that may or may not be huge, huge failures. God, speaking of the series, it's really hard to get into the plot of this movie without bringing up the elephant in the room, which is the... Tremor sci-fi channel series you mentioned. I don't know if it's just me, and I can't really confirm or deny this because there's very little documentation on the production of this film, but everything about this movie screams this is a pilot movie to a Tremors TV show, <laughs> which it was a, if it wasn't, is incredible because the setup you have for a TV show by the end of this is perfect, and they absolutely delivered and all of that with the short-lived series. Yeah, well, I mean, we introduce a bunch of new characters that are sticking around town. We get little bits of future problems, like Melvin's back, and he's trying to buy the whole place up. There's it's a... Mel now, by the way. Oh, Jesus. Oh, so sorry. Uh, we, we have a new convenience store that's trying its best to stay open. Everyone's trying to cash in on Graboids, but we're still in the middle of nowhere. Like, there's just a surprising amount of little things going on when it's just a movie about people being eaten by flying two-legged not-quite-worms. Fart vultures. Fart vultures. That's the best description of it. Yeah, you're dead on. So I can definitely see the idea that, yeah, this is just bridging into what could be a TV show. Because we don't really lose any super established characters. Everybody kind of sticks around at the end. We, we get multiple Slimers that can be spin off yep. into mascots. 
Uh, this is a Tremors movie where two monsters are left alive at the very end with ambiguous fates. El Blanco? That's just like a staple now, right? Oh yeah, the, uh, uh, Bert and his good guy, Graboid, are a huge factor in that series. Yeah. What a weird thing. They actually introduced, like, a white whale-type Graboid, but they went the other way around where instead of going full Ahab, Gummer is just like, nope, this one's my pet. He can't get into my fortress. That I had to blow up. Uh, before we get away from it, though, can we, I have to make a sidetrack here about actor Robert Jane, who played Melvin in the original film and Tremors 3, Back to Perfection. So Jane is child, was a child actor, had a ton of TV credits and a couple of movies. Uh, and I just kind of assumed he was still acting in small roles or had moved on to a different area of production. Like he was a producer or a scriptwriter, you know, something still in the industry. But according to his wiki page, after finishing up with world-class hits like Wizards of the Lost Kingdom 2, he went on to become <laughs> a world-class blackjack player, like one of the best in the world. Wow. Uh, like winning millions of dollars uh, in, in blackjack tourneys. And he, he's a real estate developer, like an, an exceptionally famous real estate developer as well. Which is so weird that I think this guy, the, the annoying kid from Tremors 1 would go on to have two wildly different careers and probably be, like, one of the top in the world for both of them. So, While technically being Melvin in real life with his potentially shady real estate. I really enjoyed that. I wonder if, like, he was into real estate and they brought him back as a joke, like they wrote that into the script, or if they're just totally uh, a coincidence. I, I would like to say they're, you know, kind of ribbing him a little bit. <laughs> you can be the evil real estate developer. And in real life, you can continue to be a real estate developer who might not be evil. Uh, which leads us into what is essentially uh, the main crux of this movie, what ha what passes for its plot. Because this movie does not let too much plot get in the way of the story, let me tell you. In an interesting twist from everyone trying to get the fuck out of perfection in the first movie, in Tremors 3, everybody wants a piece of perfection out of nowhere. Even though there's only like eight people living in the town. You have Melvin trying to uh, develop perfection into the most poorly advised uh, real estate scheme I've ever seen. Yeah, I... come, come to perfection and die. Hardly anyone gets eaten by giant worms out here. We have the character of Jack Sawyer. I'm very convinced is supposed to be the sidekick from the second movie, but they couldn't get the other guy to commit. So at the last minute, they rewrote things because same personality, a similarly looking actor who fulfills pretty much the same role as a, a reluctantly held over eager boy sidekick. And even has that character's motivation from uh, Tremors 2 of having a graboid theme amusement park, which we we are told that he and Earl actually do make after Tremors 2. With. Yeah, they have a monster theme park that makes them massive amounts of money. So I love the idea that it's canon in this universe. This character is just ripping off the sidekick from the last movie. Pretty much, and less successfully. Although I have to say, I do love this plot point. If there was a real thing like this, like a, a hokey tourist deal, where you went out in a Jeep and some guy talked about the bad lands of the Tremors, uh, and then they had dust clouds follow you as you had to sit on a rock and eat like ham sandwiches for a half hour, I would I would take that trip. I would I would definitely go to that tourist trap. Oh, definitely. I going again like into how like how much this feels like a pilot, you can see all of the story potential in this little group of characters they bring up with like slightly more responsible and capable Bert. 
uh, as kind of the linchpin of this community of people that have nowhere else to go. Uh, you see uh, Chang's niece Jody uh, turning his old convenience store into a Graboid-themed amusement park that's just filled with memorabilia from this universe that sprung up between the first movie and now, which is something I really appreciate about the Tremors films. Like, I will sit through very flawed films like Pacific Rim. Hey, this is a Pacific Rim house. Movies I like can also have flaws at the same no, time. No, it's impossible. <laughs> what I like is perfect and golden. Uh, my, my favorite thing in uh, multi-movie uh, monster uh, franchises is the little moments where you get to see how the culture of the world has changed with monsters in it. Uh, you see this in Pacific Rim. You get flashes of this in Godzilla, King of the Monsters. And I will forgive any flaw a movie has if it just lets me spend a little bit of time in that world. And you really get that in spades uh, with this movie. They really sell you on the idea that for a couple of years, Graboids were the biggest thing going on on the face of the Earth. And now that it's the 2000s, everyone's kind of gotten on with their lives, but... Everyone still has this nostalgia for the Graboid sensation of the 90s. And it, it does feel like, you know, in the real world, let's uh, let's talk about like uh, the Colacanth was rediscovered and it's like, oh my God, oh, it's insane. And like, who gives a shit now? It's like, oh yeah, I guess it's, that wasn't really extinct, whatever. Like if a zoo said they had one, it probably wouldn't draw in a lot of people, even though it's like, guys, come on, this is a pretty cool thing. We thought this was extinct for like hundreds of years. They're just hanging out. NASA has told us that UFOs exist on several occasions over the past four years, and it has barely broken headline news because of all the sh other shit we're worrying about. It yeah. is astonishing how things you think would change human life as we know it just kind of get absorbed into our culture. And it's a little easier to believe here than in something like Jurassic Park, I'm sorry, Jurassic World, where they decide, oh, monsters are boring now. Uh... Because in this one, they only see the monsters rarely. It doesn't feel like a common threat. Although, uh, it must be coming up a little more often, because the movie starts with Bert just annihilating a wave of Shriekers on camera. Also, what a weird start to the movie, because it just feels like that freeze frame of Bert just enjoying himself, blowing away dozens of Shriekers, should be the end of, like, a trilogy, not the start <laughs> of one. Uh, hey, we get plenty of that in the next movie. True. I will say, something that is kind of uh, funny to me is... The first three films, I mean, they're all made roughly by the same people. Different stars come and go. But it feels kind of like a trilogy because the fourth one, spoilers, is, is a prequel. So these first three really feel like there's some sort of trilogy going on, even though there's not one central character. Bert slowly takes over the reins. The thing is, at the end of this movie, he's the one guy who doesn't leave perfection. He's blown up his house. He's lost his wife. There's, like, no reason for him to be alive anymore. And yet... He's sticking with perfection, which, Jamie, brings me to the idea that Tremors is just an allegory for Limbo. <laughs> you think uh, all these characters are dead and the Tremors are like the Langoliers just eating up? I think that's kind of it. Like, you have to prove your worth and meddle against them or else they devour your soul and you, you just pass on to nothingness. Uh, let's, let's put it this way. So in the first movie, Val and Rhonda fall in love and then they leave perfection. They, they, they just have their notoriety. They have each other. Things are good. They've moved on. Val has found a way to better himself by defeating the worms, and he's thinking ahead. And that's it. They're gone. They get to advance into actual perfection. Tremors 2, Aftershocks, ends with Earl and Kate falling in love, 
then earning a small fortune from their Gravoid bounties, and then partnering with Gray to open a monster theme park. So, for once, Earl is actually going to get to go forward and make something of himself. And he has love, that thing he's been bitter about for years. So he gets to graduate on, technically they're not in perfection, Tremors 2 Aftershocks, I know this, but the idea of the Tremors surrounding them making their own hell, he gets to escape. Desert is desert. Desert's desert. Back to perfection, though, Bert is just living there. Uh, he already started off with a wife. He has money. They, the movie stressed money is not a concern for Bert. Bert is going the other way around. This is a man who is firmly happy in Silent Hill and does not want to leave. It's almost like the other way around where God is punishing him. Like, he just keeps losing all the things that he holds dear as the movies go through. Like, he's so bummed in this one when he has to blow up his impenetrable fortress, only to find out that was completely unnecessary. Well, I would say that speaks to the nobility of the Gummer line. I mean, he's choosing to forgo paradise to be a ferryman of souls, like by helping other people uh, across their journey and meeting their final reward. Maybe that's why you can't kill the Gummer. I feel, yeah, these people all died. The, the Graboid, there was like a, a, a carbon monoxide leak in their house. They all lived in, <laughs> they all lived in suburbs, different suburbs, and they just woke up one day in, in perfection and just thought they'd been there their whole lives. That's, that's what I'm getting at. All these people live in the universe of family ties. <laughs> Does Michael J. Fox decide to make a cuddling getaway and wipe out those liberals once and for all? I'm just saying, it's such a weird thing where Gummer has the exact opposite tract of a character as everyone else. Like, all the other characters are, are you know, pretty much there as leads from the start, and then they disappear after they get what they want. Gummer has everything he wants and then loses it. And he never finds someone new. He's, he's dropping things. He slowly comes to the forefront. He is moving the exact opposite direction of these other characters. And they only had a brief amount of time where they got to gingerly hold hands. I, I would say you find, uh, especially if you view this and uh, Legend Begins as the like quote-unquote real end of the Tremors franchise, I would say you get a certain amount of closure with Bert vowing to uh, be a protector of perfection in that community. And even though they don't really go into it, because this movie is very light on plot <laughs> and characterization, you do, there is a certain found family aspect to it. Oh, like, sure. Again, it just, by, by the time those credits roll, like, you feel like you've met the cast of a long-running TV show. That's fair. And, there, you know, there are improvements. There's new people out there. They have a live uh, ass blaster that they can show off to people, which seems incredibly dangerous. Like, couldn't it just blast its ass at anyone nearby? Well, they have to, they have to entertain the small children. I have to teach them the dangers of sandworms, the only way they know how. I guess so. So anyways, that's that's my theory, Jamie. Uh, tremors aren't a monster. They're an eternal state of damnation. Tremors isn't a mood. It's a state of mind. It's true. The tremors are the hell we made along the way. Uh, getting off of that, though, uh, another interesting part of this is... This is the... the uh, nope, that's wrong. I was going to say the first one was CGI, but I forgot all the CGI shriekers in the second one. This one has more CGI shriekers. Uh, they're not as good, surprisingly. Apparently, they, nah. they couldn't use the same model from the first movie, so they had to make a new one that wasn't done as well. Uh, this film was not, as we said before, made for a lot of money. Uh, it cost $6 million, which is a $2 million raise from the second film, assuming our online figures are anywhere near the ballpark. But you gotta think, the original film was made for $10 million 11 years before this. So, not a lot of money to go around to make this thing. So I, I can forgive some CGI creatures. The ass blasters, though, do not look great. No, that's... Uh, you can tell they did very well with what they had, but I, I think, honestly, of the entire franchise, that is the consistently the worst effect. 
Yeah, it's just, it's hard to do because we have an idea of what a bird looks like when it flies. And so when you compare it to an ass blaster, it's like, mm, this doesn't look like natural flight. It's, it's much harder to pull off than something that's running or an underground creature that's just kind of sending up puffs of smoke. I feel like the biggest problem is they can't, the animators can't quite make up their mind on whether or not they glide or actually fly. It's very inconsistent from scene to scene and shot to shot. So from, from even like an editing standpoint, it's just kind of hard to track where they are, how, they, how they're moving from shot to shot. Yeah. Like they, ne- they never quite feel like they're in the same movie as the other characters or even the other monsters. It's very 2000 sci-fi channel. And they don't do themselves any favor because the whole point of Tremors is this is the horror franchise that can take place in the bright Nevada sun. So you don't even have like shadows or rain or something to hide the ass blasters to to make them look a little better. They're in basically the worst conditions for showing off CGI, just bright open blue sky. I will say, though, we do still get uh, plenty of time with practical graboids and even some uh, practical shrieker models. Mm hmm. I don't know. Why, I don't know why I say model. It's a Tremors movie. They have one. They've got the puppets. They get their miniatures, uh, which, which thankfully was a factor uh, with this series for far longer than anyone would expect. Like they would be excused going full CGI for the monsters after two thousand, but they were very dedicated to those puppets for far longer than they had to. Oh yeah. So I, I'll give them credit for that. And there's scenes I really enjoy out of three. It's it's. Not my favorite Tremors by far, but I, I appreciate uh, like the idea of Bert being in an oil drum being swallowed by a Tremor. Like that's a, that's a fun, interesting scenario to put your hero in. Like, how do you get him out? You know he's getting out, but how? That's exciting. What are we gonna do? Uh, I, I do like the implication that Graboid stomachs are like Sarlax, <laughs> slowly digested over a thousand years. Oh, poor Chang. He's still down there. They blew that one up and they just left him. It's very unfair. Uh, he just shot out of the ass. Ah! <laughs> uh, I do like the theme park aspect they went for, even the fake theme park. I thought that was kind of a neat idea, even though it is slightly a retread of Grady's idea from the second movie that we never see. Uh, obviously, Michael Gross is back. He's fantastic as Bert. Uh, that's just a given. that He's always the highlight of a Tremors film. Uh, it, it's very fun to have that opening where he just annihilates wave after wave of Shriekers and seems to be having a blast doing it. The movie series finally gives you Bert fully prepared and ready and getting to be the guy that in most other films they would make fun of. Like, oh, he thinks he's all that, but he's not. In this one, they tell you, no, Gummer actually is everything he pretends to be. It's it's not an act. He's just that way and he's that good. And they still find a way to make Bert completely outmatched at any point. At this point, they would be forgiven for resting on their laurels with the monsters and just kind of having the graboids do graboid things as established by the past two movies. But the franchise is very consistent with the fact that the graboids are always evolving and they're always getting smarter. So like much like Tremors 2, we get the opening where our characters have finally figured out how to deal with these things. And then we completely subvert every single... <laughs> Uh, established idea, right down to the idea of them reproducing after eating, which right. turns out to have the opposite effect whenever they're done on the ass blaster. It's like the graboid physiology is designed to be a troll. Pretty much. Every time Bert thinks he's got it, it's 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 like a chess match. Okay, 
There's graboids that are going to pop through my walls. I'll just put a lot of concrete down there and squish them. Uh, okay, they're on two legs and they can just run upstairs and eat me? Fine, I'll have a really good fence. God damn it, they can fly. I'm making the dome. I'm, I'm stealing the idea of Stephen King's <laughs> dome and I will make that. I'm glad that this movie keeps up the Tremors tradition of the graboids never being defeated because somebody has more firepower. That's true. Yeah, they have to outthink them. Yeah, there's a lot of gun fetishism in this franchise, but I appreciate that every single time it always comes down to outsmarting these things instead of just shooting at them. Because it could be very easy for the entire series to boil down to, Bert has a bazooka hidden in a case out in the mountains. If we can get him to the bazooka, he'll blow them all up. So you just make it a chase movie. No, they, they, they actually have to adapt on the fly. They have to sacrifice certain pieces of whatever they have. Their strategies stop working. It's, it's a back and forth. Surprisingly uh, smart writing for what you, you know would assume could just be... Uh, I'm sorry, I wrote this in my notes and I have to use it because I wrote it. <laughs> what you'd assume could at this point just be a cash graboid. Oh! oh! Turned down for what? Not, not that uh, there aren't some things in this movie I feel uh, date it a little more than other entries into the franchise. Like There is the subplot of the big city liberals coming to perfection to declare the Graboids an endangered species. Oh, yeah. Well, there, there's, I mean, the character of Bird has kind of got the whole libertarian thing down anyways. You can see the don't try me flag in his bunker. He doesn't like the government guys. And, and the uh, Melvin does refer to him as right wing in one scene, which is probably the only time they kind of play around with that, uh, with the character. I'm glad they don't really go deep into that. And ultimately, the movie ends with Bert coming around on the endangered species thing and actually using it to protect the town with his with his adopted Slimer Graboid. Mm hmm. I am glad that that's as far into that territory as the series ever really gets. Far be it for me to be like, don't bring your politics into a giant worm movie, because I, I see politics in everything anyways. Even if you don't intentionally put politics into a film, I feel like the lens of the viewer will find it. So I'm, I'm glad they didn't make the character actively an awful person. It's, it's, it's funny seeing Bert shown in such heroic terms, because this is the first moment, like from... From the first scene, we see Burt Gummer front and center as the hero of the Tremors franchise. And it's weird seeing him be the moral center of a movie where uh, underneath all of the uh, comedic bravado, there's this John Wayne sense of, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to stand up for once right. And I'm going to be immovable. Well, it's very endearing. It is. And he cares about his community, checks in with people. He knows everyone there and what's going on in the valley. He's friendly with guys. No, they, they do make him out to be a good guy. And I, in a lot of other films, I feel like if you had a far-right gun nut, it'd be easy to just make him an annoying character or an outright awful person. It could have been worse, is all I'm saying. Tremors. It could have been worse. That's my review of Tremors 3, Back to Perfection. If we want to move on, Jamie, to our, our final rankings of the films... I don't know if you're ready for that. Do you have more more Tremors 3 Back to Perfection knowledge you need to impart on me? Absolutely nothing. Beautiful. So my ranking of the Tremors franchise, uh, I'm going Tremors, Tremors 2, Aftershocks, Tremors 3, Back to Perfection. Right down the list. One, two, three. I would have to say the same. I do like uh, Back to Perfection quite a bit. 
but yeah, at the end of the day, it come like I said at the beginning, it comes across more like a backdoor pilot than really a standalone movie, whereas Tremors 2 is probably uh, the best immediate uh, direct-to-video follow-up to a, to a movie I've seen. Total package. Here's the other ranking, though, and this is, this is the serious one. How are we ranking the names of the Tremors franchise? Because I, I, I know previously when I did my rankings, I said Tremors 2, Aftershocks, then Tremors. I'm going to stand by that. Once I have made up my mind, I am stubborn. I'm still saying Tremors 2, Aftershocks, followed by Tremors. But Tremors 3, Back to Perfection, A number one, baby. This is, this is my number one named Tremor film. Wow. I, I enjoy that they, they didn't get scared off. This is Tremors 3. We want you to know it. Tremors 3, Back to Perfection. They have the number. They have like the, the subtitle. Plus, I enjoy the Back to Perfection angle because we did skip perfection in Entry 2. This is the third movie after 11 years, so it is kind of a return to form a little. That sounds weird because it's only the third movie, but there was a large gap between them. And the Back to Perfection. The city's name is Perfection, Jamie. I don't know if you knew that, but it fits. It fits so good. <laughs> I, I still will say that Tremors 2 Aftershocks is the superior title to Tremors. It kind of bothers me that they immediately broke the tradition of some kind of... Something uh, seismic? Yeah, some kind of seismic-themed pun. And with the addition of the flighted ass blasters, it feels like they had a lot of potential there that they just didn't go for. So, yeah, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna have to put them at number three just because they, they should have taken a big swing. Oof, oof. Uh, this hurts. Jamie, can can you think of an appropriate geological, seismographical subtitle that also applies to the sky for Tremors 3? Do you have any offhand? Tremors 3, Seismic Skies. Yeah, okay, that, that would have that, that actually been pretty good. You win this round! Actually, I, I thought I had you. I really didn't think you were going to have jack shit. I always have jack shit. <laughs> I think that's all I can say about Tremors 3. I, I'm not going to hold the audience on the hook any longer. <laughs> Folks, thank you so much for joining us as we continue to plumb the tremor holes of Perfection Nevada. Nevada. I don't know what kind of accent I just threw in there. Perfection Nevada. We'll be back. We've got so many more Tremors movies to go through. Uh, thank you, as always, for Jamie, for joining me and uh, for doing all the legwork on the actual editing. Folks, if you've enjoyed this podcast, there's plenty more of us under boxofficepulp.com. We've got our website there. Uh, we have commentary tracks for movies such as Doom. Everyone kind of remembers Doom, so you'd probably enjoy a commentary track. Uh, and we also have one-off episodes where it's just us shooting the shit. Go check them out. You'll love them. Find us on iTunes, our website, Stitcher. We're on Amazon Music now. How crazy is that? And uh, you, you, can, you can leave us a message on Facebook. We probably won't check it. Or Twitter, which you might check. Thank you so much for joining us. But I forgot one last important part. Jamie has another entry from the Tremors Wiki just for us. Jamie, take it away. Their endurance is actually high, as it took many gunshots to kill one that attack Burt Basement, as they use a variety of guns to kill it. Though over time, they learn more of their endurance will not work on weapons that Burt will to kill them more easily, such one type of gun that was used on Graboid in the series that will blow up with one shot. Though their endurance was also proved that Graboids will not be able to survive at full speed to go through a concrete wall will kill itself. Their stamina is very high as they
Well, there you go. I learned something about endurance. Did you, did you uh, know the origins of the term HP, hit points? Uh, I, I believe it comes from the Navy, and it's like how many cannon blows a uh, ship could take before it would sink. I did not know that, Cody. I'm, I, I read that on Reddit, and I can't find the source of it online as I'm frantically looking it up. So I might have just made up half of that, but I swear to God that was a thing I read one time. Don't trust me, Internet. Please check it yourself. But just pretend it sounds cool, right? Like, oh, that tank has 60 HP. 60 goddamn cannons has to shoot it before it dies. Yeah, we could take that and put in an RPG. Sure. Sounds cool. That's my life head cannon. That's how it should always work. I half remember a cool thing from the internet, and now I just pretend it's real. Like Gravoids. They're real to me. This is Box Office Pulp Guy, and this has been a Pulp Podcast production. Now please, 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 put a gun in my mouth and pull the trigger and say goodnight. And now, on with the show.